Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast, where on this podcast, it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear of your next headache or migraine and dependence on medication. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about how the debilitating symptoms that you have and the intense pain that you're dealing with can come from the neck. I get this question frequently where people start out, uh, whether they are just uh, starting to touch on this uh, information that we're providing, maybe they come in for uh, one of our first uh, free discovery visits, or they're uh, jumping into an evaluation, but they're early on in their process. And the question they have in their mind is, how can these symptoms that are so bad, so debilitating, how can they all come from my neck? And I had this question just this past week, and so I wanted to answer it on the podcast because I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there have a hard time believing that this could just be a neck problem. But it's what we see over and over again, so I'm going to take a, a shot at explaining it because I think I think I can break this down uh, into terms and, and provide an example that will make a lot of sense at the end of this podcast. And so, as always... The education that we provide on this podcast that that I'm providing you should allow you to feel empowered to make a decision so that you can uh, better your own health and your scenario. So I think this will be really practical, helpful information. As always, uh, there will be some takeaways and uh, just some nuggets summar- summarizing what we talked about at the end, things that you can um, that, that you can actually do something with. So when we're when we're trying to understand how you could have, you know, one-sided throbbing, pounding sensation, pain behind the eye, stabbing, um, burning, these these debilitating symptoms, and even like numbness, tingling, uh, weakness, oftentimes, uh, visual uh, uh, sensitivities to lights and sounds, visual disturbances, all these different symptoms. How can it just be a neck issue? Well, I've got a few things that I want to hit on. And then we'll jump into an example. And what we're going to do is I'm going to I'm going to um, apply this example, something that we're all probably familiar with, and uh, we're going to take it to the extreme, and then we're going to play it backwards and try to unravel. Okay, so if this scenario occurs, how would you treat that? And I think it'll intuitively make a lot of sense for for you guys listening. So first off, um, when we're dealing with someone that has migraines, generally they've dealt with these symptoms for years, if not decades. But the thing to understand is that the symptoms and the underlying problem very likely did not start at the same time. So when you have a headache or migraine symptoms uh, onset, so let's say it was five years ago and you don't remember any sort of specific neck or head trauma, what what you're dealing with there is a series of maybe it's uh, micro traumas, injuries to the neck, positions it didn't like, postures it didn't like, uh, that accumulate over time, or maybe it's just the way your neck and your shoulders function is not as efficient as it should be. So there's compensations. There's a proper way for your body to move, which is efficient. The muscles get to contract, they get to relax, the joint moves, everything's happy. There's no tension built up. But then there's compensations, and the body does a really good job of compensating when, let's say there's, uh, so the shoulders are really complex, uh, multiple joints that make up the shoulder complex, and there's a, a bunch of different muscles as well. So let's say one of those joints doesn't 
move quite like it should, while the other joints, the other muscles are going to have to work harder to do the same task. You can still reach up overhead, but it's going to take more energy and it's not going to be as efficient. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. In the neck, if C1 and C2 don't rotate like they should, the middle portion of the neck, the muscles that surround the neck are going to have to work harder to do the same job. And then that happens over time. You don't feel that right away, but five years go by and you start to realize your neck tension's gotten to a level that uh, now you have headaches. And it feels like they came out of nowhere, but the problem was there before the symptoms. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is that we're dealing with multiple sites of pain generally. Okay, so uh, there are scenarios where there's just a specific joint on the right side that's that's not moving, it's not doing its job, and then it's irritating, it's sending a pain signal. But most of the time, we're dealing with uh, both right-sided and left-sided compensations. We're dealing with muscle tissue that's angry. We're dealing with the neck and the jaw and the shoulders. And so there's all these things that we have to address in order for for you to get the relief you're looking for. Even if you come in and you're like, I just have jaw pain or I just have a headache on this right side. What happens is we start evaluating the patient and they lay down on the table. We start working on them. They go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize all these other issues were there. And some of these other spots feel so sensitive. I'm like, I don't know how I didn't notice it, but then they start to think about it. And they realize that this is a bigger problem than, than what seemed like, okay, just a little bit of a, a tweak in my neck. Okay. So that's number two is that we're dealing with generally multiple sites of pain. Number three is what's called central sensitization. And that's where the brain picks up this pain signal over time and becomes more sensitive to it. And so physiologically, the, the pain signal itself travels on peripheral nerves, it enters the spinal cord, and then it travels through the brain stem and eventually gets to our cortex or the brain. And that's where we realize what's happening. The brain then has to decipher the location, the type of sensation, and oftentimes, sometimes, it can get those things uh, wrong. Now, it's usually consistent in how it gets it wrong, but we can't necessarily trust that the pain signal, the location of it, even the type of sensation is completely accurate. And that's generally what's happening with these headaches or migraines. You're getting a pain signal, something's wrong, it feels like it's in your head, but uh, it, it's likely coming from somewhere else. Well, as that signal continues to be sent over and over and over uh, for years, decades, however long it's been, if the if the brain learns and becomes more efficient at paying attention to that pain signal, that's what we call central sensitization. And really, um, it has to do with, one, the brain will sort of pay more attention to it in the sense like if, if you're on the early stages of headache or migraine symptoms, um, not necessarily early stages, but if you don't have central sensitization, there's this sort of dynamic of you have days without pain, you have days with pain, you have days without pain, you have days with pain. And that's your brain responding to increased tension, decreased tension, um, generally, generally speaking. Now, if the brain pays more attention to it, it's almost as if the pain is just always there. It's always there. It doesn't go away. Okay. The other thing that can happen is the intensity can increase. So the intensity of the pain itself might increase over time, not just because the tension in your neck has increased, but because your brain's actually paying more attention to it. And then the fourth thing is that the pathway of the brain, pathway of pain to the brain, 
like I said, it can pay more attention to the pain signal itself, but it also confuses the location and the type of pain. So the thinking of the pathway itself, so central sensitization, just to back up real quick, has to do with the the cortex, so the brain itself, and how the brain's perceiving the pain signal. And there's technically, uh, there, there's changes in the pathway that occur as well. But think of that as like the brain itself becoming more sensitive to the pain signal. But there's also the pathway to the brain, and that's this connection of highways and other pathways that come from the face and the back of the head and the jaw, and they meet up in the brainstem, and then it sends one common signal to the brain. So the brain has to figure out where it came from and also has to figure out the type of pain. Uh, that's largely, uh, or a, a component of that is that the pain travels through a part of the brain called the thalamus, which is... Um, partially responsible for deciphering the type of sensation that we're experiencing. And so there's this overlap from just a pain signal to um, maybe you have sensitivities to lights and sounds. Maybe uh, you have numbness, um, these different types of sensations. And so just because the sensitivities to lights and sounds and the numbness and the brain fog, those other symptoms are really debilitating. And it's not intuitive to think like, this is my neck which makes total sense that you wouldn't think it was your neck. Um, it doesn't mean it's not your neck. It just means that your brain is confusing what would be a really intense pain signal over time uh, because it's been compensating for years and years. There's multiple sites of pain, so it's coming from all over. Your brain's getting bombarded. Uh, maybe your brain's become more sensitive to the pain signal itself, and then the pathway to the brain makes it hard for the brain to really understand what specifically is happening. And the louder the, the pain signal the more confusing these symptoms get and the harder it is for us to think this is this is my neck okay so there's the the four four things uh that i'm going to argue make even even some of the most debilitating headaches and migraines well i'll say even the most debilitating headaches and migraines cuz that's generally who we're seeing um make it uh a neck issue in a lot of scenarios okay now Again, you're listening to this podcast. I'm not saying that 100% of the time, 100% of your symptoms are coming from the neck. Don't hear me wrong here. But the neck, we talk about it on this podcast. Uh, go listen to previous podcasts um, for good reason. And that's primarily what we work on here at Novera. And it works. Um, a lot of our patients uh, with the, well, just about everyone we see has a migraine diagnosis. It's debilitating. Uh, it's severe pain. They've tried all the medication. They've tried all the treatments, uh, and then we're able to help them. All right. So that's my hope. That's my empowerment to you. That's why I do this. Um, it's not cause I just am a neck guy and I love working on the neck. It's because the neck treating the neck works. And, and, uh, if it can help you, I want to share it with you. Okay. So a couple things to, uh, consider. Here's my example. So if you talk on the phone and you hold your phone up to your ear, Let's say you're using your right arm. Your right elbow, after like 20 to 30 minutes, will start to get sore and there will be some level of pain. Now, where this example will stop for just about everyone in life is right there because what you're going to do is you're going to straighten out your elbow and the pain's going to decrease and then you'll swap the phone to the other side. Okay. Now, your body was intuitively telling you it needs to move and there was pain associated with that that told you that it needs to move. All right. So that same principle applies to the neck, but let's take this example a little bit further. Let's say you didn't move your elbow. Let's say you just held your 
elbow in that position. And let's say this was a conversation that went on for years or decades. So you just um, were so enthralled with whoever you were talking to that you just could not get off the phone with them and you chose not to straighten out your elbow. Well, what would happen? Well, first off, pain would increase because of the lack of movement uh, in your elbow, okay? So the pain would just ramp up. It wouldn't improve because you're not giving that joint uh, the movement it needs. The ligaments, the tendons, the muscle tissue around the joint would become aggravated. Pain and a pain signal indicates that there's some level of inflammation around the joint. So there's what are called cytokines. They're these little inflammatory markers. They're responsible for sending a pain signal. So the fact that you have pain says that there's a level of inflammation. The inflammation is likely coming from the ligaments, the tendons, the muscles that are not moving like they want to, okay? So the pain signals sent through those peripheral nerves uh, and they, they'll you know, travel to the brain, just like I explained uh, in headaches through the brain stem, and then they hit the brain. So when we think about your elbow not moving, all those things will just ramp up. The other thing that will happen is let's say your elbow just sort of adaptively shortens in that position, which will happen. So the elbow's not moving, the ligaments that surround the joint will start to shorten over time. Because if you don't use the movement, you lose it. So the muscles forget how to how to stretch, and so they tighten up. The ligaments forget how to stretch, so they tighten up. The tendons forget how to stretch, and so they they adaptively shorten and then they tighten up. So all these tissues are now shrinking and they're they're tightening. They're adapting to this new normal of no movement. So if you try to move your elbow, now you can't really move your elbow. Okay. And so the inflammation continues to increase. Now you're kind of compensating because you still need to go about your day. But because you're compensating, you have to use more of your shoulder. You got to kind of put your wrist in weird positions. So you start developing shoulder pain and wrist pain. Okay. Now the elbow pain itself is probably to a greater extent, uh, as time goes on. And so it could be referring pain into the shoulder. It could be referring pain into the wrist. And so the elbow itself is causing you to feel like you have shoulder problems, but there's probably also compensation through your shoulder that needs to be worked on because you can't use your elbow. All right. So you see, (laughs) you see how this is a problem when we don't move. Okay. So the brain itself getting this pain signal over and over again could also, um, be more responsive to that pain signal and that central sensitization process could occur um, if we don't remove the pain signal, all right? So your elbow's stuck like this, the ligaments, tendons, muscles around it adaptively shorten, the joint naturally doesn't necessarily move like it did before, you've got to compensate by using your shoulder, your wrist, your wrist and shoulder start developing pain, and by the end, or not the end, but as time goes on, it just gets super painful, okay? And it's it, it almost gets to the point where you're like, all of this just because my elbow doesn't move? But it's, yeah, yeah, the body needs to move. And when it doesn't move, there's a cascade of events that happens, which leads to really debilitating symptoms. So if you didn't move your elbow, you would start to, um, yeah, you would feel terrible. It would probably draw a lot of your attention. You may even feel nauseous and sick. And like, there'd be other types of symptoms Uh, that would go on because your body's like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this doing its job? So what would you do about that? If you're in the scenario where your elbow didn't extend, okay, what would you do? Well, you could massage the muscles. Well, let me back up. You could take medication and medication would 
would help minimize or mask the symptoms themselves, so the pain, all right? So that's at the chemical level, that pain signal's not being transmitted because of whatever medication you took. So you could do that, okay? You could take an anti-inflammatory and it would reduce the inflammation around the joint. That's fine, okay? Um, but that's not really addressing the problem. You, you still need to bend your elbow or, ex- or extend your elbow. The second thing, I, or another thing you could do is like you could massage the muscle tissue. So the muscles aren't happy. The, the pain's coming from the muscles. So let's massage the muscles. Okay, well, massaging the muscles could help, but um, it, it the the joint's still not moving, and so those muscles are just going to get angry again, and, and you'll be right back in the same situation. Well, what if we did like a chiropractic adjustment or something like that? Like we we just had a cavitation in that area, so like uh, it just felt, the joint felt better. Well, you could do that, um, and you could even maybe get a little bit of motion back in, in the elbow joint when you do that, uh, but again, like it's it's just going to tighten back up and go back to its original state uh, because you're still not asking it. You're not challenging it to move. And at this point, it's a lot more complicated than just saying like straighten out your elbow because all of those tissues have adaptively shortened. So we need to teach them how to lengthen again. And so what ultimately you need to do is apply force Uh, external force to your elbow, teaching it how to move again. We need to understand the mechanics of the joint and restore function to the joint so that your elbow starts to move. And if you picture this in your head, the scenario where your elbow is just like in terrible pain because it can't extend, like even when I'm talking about this, I'm almost like picturing the scenario like that first time you straighten out your elbow and it's just like this, like, oh man, that feels so good. And so, so picture this scenario, all right? There are so many parallels in what we do here. The first time that we meet with people, it is not uncommon for us to apply that pressure. We're not applying it to their elbow. We're applying it to their neck because the same scenario is happening in the neck. And we start to get that little bit of stretch and they their symptoms like melt away. It's like, um, now this isn't everyone, but it's not it's not totally uncommon for people with even years or decades worth of pain to come in and after the first visit they're like whoa like i've i feel better and i haven't felt better in years or decades and you know they've they've tried everything they've tried medication they've tried massage they've tried chiropractic they've tried acupuncture they've tried you know uh diet changes they've tried all these things and i'm not saying that those things have no value but like it, if you started with a phone call that was endless and you didn't straighten your elbow out um, trying those other things are just sort of, they're beating around the bush. You need to just straighten your elbow up, just straighten your elbow. Um, the problem is, is that there's, there's nuances to how the neck moves and we need to apply specific pressure. And it's hard to find a provider that can do that and understands this and can evaluate that. So, I mean, that's, that's the mission I'm on to help you guys. And, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a way too sim like maybe that's oversimplifying it. Um, and it probably is to some extent, but I feel like I use that example with my patients and I think it's really helpful, um, because you get it. Like everyone has done that. They've, you've held the phone up to your ear and your elbow has started to hurt. And, uh, just think of that, but you don't straighten your elbow out. And that's why your pain feels terrible and is referring to your head and like, um, you're, you're miserable. Um, and it feels like, why is this, why could, how could this just be a neck problem? Well, how could that just be your, your elbow straightening out? It's, it's a similar scenario. Um, I hope that's, I really do hope that's helpful. Um, and again, it's supposed to spur you on 
to to consider this more deeply, especially if you're just floundering through our healthcare system, trying to understand what's happening. Um, you know, treatment after treatment, nothing seems to be helping. It's uh, yeah, it, it can really come back to just applying movement to the neck uh, with with pressure specifically applied to to get these joints moving again, just like we would if your elbow was stuck and we we're trying to get it moving. So a small problem can become a big problem. And when multiplied by the factor of time. So that's one of the things to consider here. In that example, time is the is the multiplier. So your your body can sustain a certain position for a period of time, but then it needs to move. And in essence, our neck has forgotten how to move and there's been compensations over time and it's sort of built up. So time has not been on your side. We need to reverse that and get it back on your side. Um, the body's great at compensating. Um, so a small problem overlooked and missed for years could turn into a big problem. And that's where if we could get everyone in here a month after their headaches or migraines start, the the outcomes, would, we, we probably wouldn't need to see people for as long and um, like almost everyone would see, would see the, the progress that we're talking about very quickly. And it's the complication of things that happens over time when the body just continues to get used to this, um, compensation pattern. And then the onset of your pain doesn't mean the onset of your problem. So just because your pain started 10 years ago, doesn't mean your neck was fine before the pain, your body does a really good job of compensating. And so we need to take all those things into consideration. So I hope uh, this this helps you understand how the neck is yeah can can be the source of these you know crazy debilitating symptoms that you're dealing with uh, and that it's not oversimplifying it or not overlooking things to say like yeah we need to evaluate the neck largely our healthcare system overlooks the neck so I think we need to take a much more simple approach to this problem. Um, and then if, if for some reason treating the neck doesn't work, then that's where we, I mean, you continue listening to this podcast so that we, you know, we have the other providers that can, um, match and help in those other areas of your health to ultimately get you the relief you're looking for. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the headache doctor podcast. As always, it's, it's my mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so you can break free from a life of fear of your next headache or migraine and dependence on medication. I'll see you next time. Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast. I know that you have a lot of options in how you spend your time and how you consume information around headaches and migraines. I just wanted a quick ask because the only way that we grow this podcast and continue this mission is if you subscribe, share this podcast, and of course, leave us a five-star review. Those are cherished and it makes my day when I see someone's story come through as a five-star review and how this podcast podcast has been able to help you. Thank you so much again for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast, and I'll see you next week.